Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack family. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 107. The priesthood in America and much of the rest of the world has been infiltrated by Marxists and homosexuals, known as the Pink Mafia. They're destroying countless millions of souls both in and out of the church. However, as Satan works overtime to snatch souls away from God, more and more good and faithful priests are finding the courage to stand up and preach what must be preached. This is an example of the sacramental graces they're receiving from the sacraments of confirmation and holy orders. One thing the cantankerous Catholic is becoming known for is introducing you to these courageous priests. I'm on a constant search for them so I can bring them to you, my six-pack family. This week we have one such priest. His name is Father Jeffrey Kirby. I hope he excites you as much as he excites me. I need to tell you something very important. Every Catholic needs to be listening to The Cantankerous Catholic because this show helps people learn to navigate through these tumultuous times as well as learn, understand, and live our faith better. You can help other Catholics find The Cantankerous Catholic much easier by leaving a review. Reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show the cantankerous Catholic more often to people looking for Catholic podcasts. For your convenience, there's a link in my show note for ratings and reviews, and I thank you in advance for leaving a review. There have been three times in American history when our nation has been so deeply divided that she didn't even look like one nation under God. The first time was when we were just a British colony. As our founding fathers tried to give birth to liberty in the United States of America, the vast majority of people here wanted liberty, but they were King George loyalists. We were sorely divided. The next time America suffered a severe divide was the Civil War. We were so divided, in fact, that brother faced brother and father faced son on the battlefield. They actually killed one another. That divide was brought on by the demonic Democrat Party. Now fast forward to 2021. We're living in the third most divided era of our nation's history, and once again it's the diabolical Dems who are dividing us. We want our nation back, along with the God-given liberties guaranteed by the Constitution. That's why Donald Trump was elected in the first place. In the Civil War, the demonic Democrats only tried to split this country in two. Now they're doing their best to completely destroy it, and they may succeed. They've literally stolen an election to do so. All you need for proof of that is Joe Biden's illegitimate inauguration. After all, if you have to lock down an entire city and surround yourself with 20,000 armed troops to assume office, you can't possibly be a legitimate president. Your presidency has to be the result of a coup. The incoming administration has told us exactly what it intends to do. Among other things, the bad Catholic Joe Biden administration intends to persecute all Christians who disagree with anything it promotes as the official truth. 
The administration wants to expand the killing of preborn babies, the elderly, and those who can't contribute to the materialistic ends of our society because of disabilities that prohibit them from doing so. That would include me, by the way, because I'm in a wheelchair and can only use one arm. I think I'm pretty productive, but bad Catholic Joe will see me as an enemy of the state. I tell the truth, and he hates truth. In fact, he and his ilk hate truth so much that they're actually floating the idea of putting people like you and me in re-education camps. If you haven't seen that yet, it's because you're paying attention to the wrong media. Father Kirby understands what I'm talking about, and he warns his parishioners about it. He also actually shames those in his parish who voted for Joe Biden. Unfortunately, too many American Catholics don't yet believe or understand just how bad things are about to get in our beloved America. So I don't want you to simply take my word for it. Before we get to Father Kirby, I want to play for you what Michael Voris of Church Militant said recently in an episode of The Vortex called The Great Divide. Let's roll the clip. As we hear constant jabber about the so-called Great Reset, make no mistake what's really at play here, what's really going on. It's a cover for destroying all opposition to the Marxist agenda pushed by elite globalists under the guise of unifying humanity as we march forward arm in arm to broad sunlit uplands. That's always the front, but it's never the reality. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. America is a divided nation, and if we're totally honest here, it hasn't been one nation in many years. It's not just political differences, it's far deeper than that. Politics is always downstream from the culture. People are elected and laws passed after a majority of a culture has already decided on a certain philosophy. Even in the event of a stolen election, people were in place to engineer a steal because too many people accepted or too bored to notice all the other evil that these leaders had supported. America is not one country, period. And this constant appeal by Marxists to the people's will and doing the business of the people and the American people, it's all a complete charade. There is no longer such a thing as the American people, not the way they mean it anyway. There are American patriots and there are American Marxists. And the Great Reset is meant to be a way for the Marxists to wipe out the American patriots. As much as the Marxists have tried to paint this divide, this polarization as a bunch of fringe groups or extremists or racists or white supremacists versus the American people, the reality is this. The great divide, the great reset is claiming to address is really a divide over God. You'll get used to us hearing at church militants saying moving forward that life is lived where politics and religion intersect, where they collide. As that's true once again here, better said, another example of it, it's not about race or income levels, it's not about sex or zip code or geography or any other issue. It's about God and whether you'll live your life with or without him. 
That, in sum, is the great divide in America. And the Marxists can't really come right out now and say that, at least not yet anyway. For the moment, they need to paint true believers, orthodox believers, as not loony, but haters who seek to divide America with their crazy theology. But of course, this only applies to faithful followers of Christ. It will never be applied to Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, or any other religion, or non-religion for that fact. Any belief is acceptable, just like in the days of the Roman Empire, as long as it admits that the state has final say and is not challenged in its prevailing dogma. The Great Reset is indeed a reset, resetting back to a pagan culture where the real God is denied and his true religion outlawed. Now that we've set the stage for Father Kirby, I want to play his homily from December 29th. But first, let me give you a little background on Father. Father Jeffrey Kirby ain't no slouch. He's actually an amazing man who's been fired up about our holy and ancient faith all of his life, and he's been very prolific at producing various materials for the spiritual growth and salvation of the lay faithful. He's a veteran of the Army National Guard, serving while a student at Franciscan University of Steubenville. He holds a licentiate on moral theology and a doctorate in sacred theology. He's published more than 15 books. Ordained in 2007, Father is the pastor of Our Lady of Grace Catholic Church in Lancaster, South Carolina. This priest is so accomplished that I could do an entire episode just about him, so I've only hit the tip of the iceberg here. Now that you know a bit about him, let's roll the clip of his homily titled, The Next Four Years. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So first I want to point out the Magi. They, of course, continue on their journey. So you know that they're on their way to see the Christ child. This Sunday we'll celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany when they arrive. Incidentally, it's from Christmas Day, December 25th, until the historical traditional day of Epiphany, which is January 6th, which are the original 12 days of Christmas. If you've sung that hymn, which is so long and sometimes annoying, right? The 12 days of Christmas, that's what they're talking about, right? Of course, Mother Church has moved Epiphany so longer on January 6th, that it's on the next Sunday after Holy Family. So that's why we're going to celebrate it this Sunday, January 3rd. But again, the Magi are moving. They're on their way to see the Christ child. We know when they arrive, the Christ child is about a year and a half old. So imagine the faith and the persistence, the tenacity of these Magi. They heard of the newborn king. They were going to make sure they saw him. Because of this time of waiting, the birth of the child and the arrival of the Magi, Mother Church is very selective in terms of who we honor during this time, which is why today's feast on, for the today's saint, Thomas Beckett, is very important. Why would the Church allow for the honoring of this 12th century martyr during this time? The reason why she does this is because his life reflects some important lessons, lessons that we should take particularly to heart. Lessons, incidentally, as Americans, we have always treasured. And chief among them, the principle, is the freedom of religious liberty, of religious expression. We take that for granted as Americans. The vast majority of the countries today do not have religious freedom. In fact, in over 50 countries, due to Islamic extremism, if you were publicly declared the divinity of Jesus Christ, 
It's a capital offense, and you could be executed or imprisoned. We do not have religious liberty. Remember when God came, as Zechariah cries out in his hymn, God came in order to free us so that we might worship God without fear, holy and righteous all the days of his life, to free us. Today, the church and the feast of St. Thomas Becket exemplifies and emphasizes the utter importance of religious freedom, that a person can follow their conscience, that they can worship God however he or she may understand him. As Catholics, we have led the way in this. In fact, we developed the whole concept in the West of religious expression, even as we realize that some will exercise that in order not to follow Jesus Christ, or to not follow anything. And yet we understand that God has given free will, and there should be expression of religious freedom. Let's look at the life of St. Thomas Becket. So important for us. In general, that we understand the importance of religious freedom, but also because we have a dark four years coming as a church, and we need to get ready. What can we learn about Thomas Becket? Well, first, he wasn't born into wealth. His family had a small amount of wealth. But Thomas had to work hard, and he was smart. And he was industrious. And that's why he won the favor of certain people. And he began to just slowly move up the ranks in terms of British government, getting one after the other after the other, himself establishing quite a comfortable life, but because of his hard work. In fact, the King of England trusted Thomas on very sensitive foreign missions because Thomas was well-spoken, attentive. He had apparently a good sense of humor, which goes a long way. The Pope could trust him in terms of church matters. His king could trust him in terms of political matters. Well, it might shock us today, but in the 12th century, the church was intimately connected with government in, in England, so much so that one of the advancements had Thomas become Archbishop of Canterbury. He was still a celibate, not married, so he was eligible. He became Archbishop, everybody thought he was going to play the party line, favor the king. Remember, I told you the Pope could trust him. Once he became Archbishop, he realized, as a point of integrity, that his responsibility now was to argue for the church. He was to be the thorn in the side of the king in order to make sure that the, king, that the church was not treated as some type of puppet. And he did just that. So much so that there was constant tension between the king and this new Archbishop. To the point that on one occasion, the king cried out, Will anyone please rid me of this burdensome, cleric. Someone please just get rid of this guy. Well, certain courtiers who wanted to win favor took him at face value. They found Thomas Beckett while he was celebrating Mass, the cathedral, and they executed him. He died a martyr. Not simply a martyr of religious freedom, but a martyr for our faith, a martyr of the altar. This is why he is so revered. Later, in the 16th century, St. Thomas More, whose story is very and shockingly similar to Thomas Beckett's, Thomas More will actually go and pray at the shrine of Thomas Beckett, asking him for his strength. This is an example of one of our fellow believers, an older brother, who took the faith seriously, was willing to speak and use his natural talents in order to defend the church. It's important lessons for us. Why? Because we are wimps. We have become so soft. We are willing to compromise so much. If we truly believe, I pray that we do, that Jesus Christ has given us the most powerful message ever given to humanity, I pray that we will be unshakable, immovable, uncompromising, 
in our defense and explanation sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ and in the rights of the church. Of course, some of us believe that. Some of you, I know, voted for someone who is now going to suffer and persecute the church for the next four years. That on top of the fact that he supports the utter slaughter of the unborn. What have you done? What have you done to your church? Look at and watch as our religious sisters will be dragged through the courts. As contraception will be set to be imposed upon them. Watch how our hospitals disappear because we will not follow government dictates. Watch how our support of unwed mothers disappears because of constant and irreasonable, unreasonable regulations. Watch as Mother Church shrinks. Watch how she is treated by this government, this coming administration. And those of you who voted for such an administration, bear the responsibility of what you have done. Because we are in for it, folks. And they're already getting ready. Have you seen the appointees? Some of the most aggressive, anti-Catholic, anti-organized religion leaders in their various states. And this is what we're in for. To the righteous. To those of us who believe. Also get ready. Because we're going to have a very difficult next four years. We will be able to exemplify the virtues and the fortitude of St. Thomas Beckett. Will we be able to speak the truth, even as they try to silence us, right? It's interesting, whenever Christians just want to share their view, suddenly tolerance disappears. Have you noticed that? The tolerant become very intolerant when it's a Christian. When we want to argue for natural marriage, the personhood of the unborn, authentic religious liberty, suddenly we are the ones who are told to shut up. Never forget, dear friends, and the wise, I pray you know this in spiritual wisdom, the wise know that evil talks about tolerance until it's in control, and then it suppresses and destroys tolerance. That's what happens. And get ready, because if you've missed that lesson, somehow in the midst of Soviet communism and Nazism before it, and the communism in the various parts of our world, just look at Venezuela, if you somehow missed that, how? Have you been living under a rock? If you somehow missed that, don't worry, you will have quite a show for the next four years in the United States of America. This is where we are, dear friends. It has often been said, that we have two religions in one institution. And my goodness, is that becoming so clear? As some have no care about the work of the church or authentic religious liberty or the authentic expression of the Christian faith, which, by the way, built the West, one of these days we'll realize as the West completely implodes that the reason why it imploded is because the very principles upon which it was founded were the principles that were denied. You cannot remove the founding principles of a society and think that that society will continue on. That's ridiculous. That's foolishness. But there are some who believe that. Meanwhile, the righteous, and we will be in the minority, the righteous, we will suffer. And it's going to be a glorious suffering. Because with every suffering 
God will just be endowing his church with more grace. And it will be precisely our sufferings that will inspire other believers, the lukewarm perhaps, to themselves find true faith. Or perhaps those who have no faith to begin to ask, what's different about these people? Why are they so vocal? And they begin to ask questions to perhaps come into the faith. Today, Thomas Beckett stands as a providential figure for us of what we are called to do. Some of you should be utterly ashamed of yourselves for what you have done. And the fact that there has been nothing spoken from our bishops themselves, they will bear the responsibility of that on Judgment Day because they have allowed their mother, their mother, who mistreats their mother? They have allowed Mother Church to be dragged through the streets, mistreated and beaten and treated as a whore. They will bear the consequences of that. Those who bear the sacred chrism on their hands as the ordained, and they have remained silent, they will bear consequences for that. Never forget, the spiritual mystics tell us that the pavements of hell are paved with the skulls of bishops. I preach the truth. So those of you who are entrusted to my care, you know what we believe as Catholics. You know what the true religion calls for. And I want to make sure you know that. So please, God, you can be saved. And I want to make sure that I speak it, even if every one of you denies it. So when I stand before the judgment seat, I might hear those glorious words, well done, my good and faithful servant, because I did what was asked. None of you is worth hell, and the truth must be spoken. Speak it in your homes. Speak it in your neighborhoods. Speak it among your friends. If you lose your friends, they were never your friends, or it was a friendship based on falsity. It is now time for us to find our voice. It is once again important that we see the heroism of this martyr and find in our hearts the strength and the grace to speak the truth and to find that fortitude in ourselves. Never forget. And how can we forget? Look at this century that we have just come from. Never forget that the only thing evil needs to succeed is for good people to remain quiet. The only thing that evil needs to conquer is for holy people to remain quiet. So find your voice. Say a few prayers to St. Thomas Beckett and then begin to speak the truth. And if you need to repent, do so. And as we walk through these next four years, I pray that we find the strength to give a glorious witness to the power of what the church can be. Because our enemies, they think they're going to destroy us. We will be here until the Lord returns. But we have to suffer a little bit. We're going to have to rely more on his grace. And we're going to keep saying yes. And we're going to take that grace. And every time they think they've knocked us down, we're going to turn back around and do even five more things more gloriously. So today we pray to St. Thomas Beckett and ask for his intercession. We pray for him to protect the church. We're going to lose so much. There's going to be such a time of darkness. But we are the children of light, and we're going to keep fighting. So pray to this holy saint today. And during this octave, remind ourselves, we each remind ourselves, that God became a man in order to give us the grace to bring about his kingdom, in order to have the grace in order to save our souls. So we ask for that grace. We ask for the intercession of this Holy One that we might give as strong a witness as he did to speak the truth always in season and out of season. We've had some hard-hitting and courageous priests on this show, and Father Kirby is among one of the most courageous. 
God love him for standing up to be counted. If you'd like to hear Father Kirby interviewed on this show, contact me and let me know. I'll reach out to him. One thing Father mentioned in his homily is that he's made sure his parishioners know and understand the Catholic faith because their salvation depends on that. Unfortunately, few priests in this country can make the same claim that their parishioners know the faith. One day in a conversation with Michael Voris, I said that at least 95% of Catholics are wholly ignorant of what the Catholic Church officially teaches. He responded that he thought I was being entirely too generous. He thinks it's in excess of 99%. Actually, he's right. I was being too generous. I've always told you that all Catholics need to know, understand, and live our holy and ancient faith. After all, you can't live what you don't know. And as Father Kirby and Voris have shown you, we need to know at least the basics of Catholicism now more than ever. Failure on your part to learn the faith, as I've told you in many previous episodes, will result in your eternal damnation. As Jesus has told us, few of those who say, Lord, Lord, will enter heaven. Repeatedly, I begged you to learn what needs to be learned, and I've invited you to do so as easily as possible by getting my free email course and begin attending my weekly free webinars. Although some of you have taken me up on this, only a tiny fraction of the 29,000-member SickPak family have done so. Are you so lukewarm and caught up in materialism that you're willing to go to hell rather than take the time to learn and apply to your lives the basics of our faith? That would be the implication. Don't think that you're not part of the 99% of Catholics who are ignorant of the Church's teachings. You're not. So I'm begging you again to go to my show notes and click on the link that says, I want to learn more about the Catholic Church. Then just fill out the form that pops up in your browser. You can get to my show notes either by visiting cantankerouscatholic.com and going to this episode, or by clicking the word notes at the bottom of the podcast player you're listening to this episode on. Do as I ask right now. I don't make a dime from this. It's all for the sake of your soul. Don't risk hell by ignoring me. It's simply not worth it. For reasons I'm not even sure of, I never bothered to join the Knights of Columbus until we'd moved to the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Regardless of the reason, I was really happy to become a Knight and affiliate myself with this premier Catholic organization. When it was time to receive my third degree, I joined a group of 50 or 60 other men from different councils. No one had told me what to expect prior to the event, but I was told at the event that we were going to be examined on our proficiency in catechesis. To my great disappointment and embarrassment, only three of the 50 to 60 men present could answer the most basic questions. Shamefully, men asked to name the mysteries of the rosary couldn't even do that. After the degree work was finished and it was time for socializing, I began asking some of my fellow participants about the examination. Not only were they not embarrassed by their inability to answer questions, but several actually expressed how difficult the examination was. They believed the questions they were asked were advanced, 
That was when I decided that the evangelistic work I'd done for 30 years needed to shift focus from making converts and reverts to helping Catholics in the pew to learn, understand, and live the Catholic faith. In a nutshell, that's the whole reason why this apostolate exists. After all, you can't live what you don't know. Toward this end, everything I do except my books is absolutely free. Until the China virus lockdowns, I'd always been able to depend on sales of my books to cover increasingly expensive monthly overhead. Unfortunately, that's no longer the case. Please, help me help other Catholics with the gift of this apostolate. Just click on the link in my show notes that says, Help Keep Joe Sixpack the Every Catholic Guy Apostolate Alive. If you can, please check the box to make yours a monthly gift. If you don't feel safe making your gift online, please send your check made out to Cassock Media. I place the address in my show notes. And I promise that you'll be remembered in my daily hour of reparation. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. During the Obama years, some conservative thinkers began to resign themselves to the Benedict Option. The idea that the culture war was lost and that Christians needed to go behind the walls of a small community to preserve the flame of truth. Then Trump happened. (laughs) You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number four. Hats off to Catholic News Agency. Wilton Cardinal Gregory a vocal critic of President Trump, has said he would give Holy Communion to Joe Biden despite Biden's support for abortion. Cardinal Gregory told the Jesuit magazine America that he hopes to have a conversational relationship with Biden on how they can cooperate to reflect the social teachings of the church. There's never been a bigger moron in a mitre. Would you get a load of that? You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number three. Hats off to the Hill. Joe Biden said that he planned to use his first 100 days in office to take action on an immigration bill, roll back President Trump's executive orders on the environment, and send assistance to state and local governments. Hold on to your hats. With this fraudulent election, communism is coming. That just makes me mad! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number two. Hats off to Detroit Free Press. Restaurant owners in Michigan are being urged to defy the shutdown order by Governor Gretchen Whitmer, which prohibits indoor dining. Our industry cannot survive another extended closure, said Joe and Rosalie Vicari, owners of the Andiamo restaurants. Thousands of restaurants and tens of thousands of our employees cannot survive it either. We need to band together and fight back, but we need to do this as a united group of Michigan restaurant owners. Hooray for them. Uh-oh, we're in big trouble now. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. 
Catholic News Pick Number One. Hats off to LifeSite News. A Christian woman in New Jersey is suing coffeehouse chain Starbucks for being fired after refusing to wear a shirt celebrating homosexuality and transgenderism, which she said violated her religious beliefs. What has become of our precious country? That makes me sad. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. St. Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna, as a young man had been a disciple of St. John the Apostle. In A.D. 167, persecution broke out in Smyrna. When Polycarp heard that his persecutors were at the door, he said, let the will of God be done. When he met them face to face, he begged to be left alone for a little while so he could pray for the Catholic Church throughout the world. Later, the proconsul commanded him to sacrifice to the gods and cursed Jesus Christ, lest he be killed. Polycarp replied, Eighty-six years I have served him, and he never did me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and savior? When he refused to sacrifice to the gods, he was put to the stake and burned, but the fire wouldn't touch him. So Polycarp was stabbed in the heart, then his body burned. The first commandment is, I, the Lord, am your God. You shall have no other gods besides me. St. Polycarp certainly demonstrated to us to what extreme we were required to go to fulfill this commandment. The first commandment obviously tells us that we're to love God above all things and to worship and adore Him alone. The way we show God our love for Him is by believing in Him and His teachings, thanking Him, trusting Him, asking His forgiveness in the sacrament of penance for failing Him in sin, asking for His help, doing penance for our sins, and obeying his laws. There are many ways we can worship God. Indeed, all of the ways we show him our love is worship, but the highest form of worship of God is our good and proper participation in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So showing God our love and worshiping him are obvious requirements, but the first commandment implies so much more because the admonition to do a thing must imply things we're forbidden to do as well. Let's take a look at some of the sins we can commit against the first commandment. We'll list them and then explain them. The first commandment forbids superstition, idolatry, spiritism, sacrilege, atheism, and participating in certain acts of non-Catholic worship. Superstition is the sin of attributing to a creature a power that belongs to God alone. An example of how this sin is committed might be to refuse to play a particular sport without wearing your lucky hat or letting your dreams influence what you do. Idolatry consists in divinizing what is not God. 
Man commits idolatry when he honors and reveres a creature in place of God, whether this be gods or demons, for example, Satanism, power, pleasure, race, ancestors, the state, money, etc. I never thought of myself as being one guilty of idolatry until I began to make a daily examination of conscience and weekly confessions. That was when I realized I was often putting things before God, which is idolatry. You might want to consider undertaking the practice of daily examination of conscience and weekly confession because you might find yourself surprised over time as well. Spiritism often implies divination, that is, conjuring the dead or having recourse to demonic powers, or magical practices. Something rather popular among many people is the practice of reading their horoscopes or calling psychics. While this is an acceptable form of entertainment, it's still a dangerous practice. We tend to begin to put stock in such things because circumstances, often induced by demonic forces, sometimes start to coincide with these entertainments, so we find ourselves guilty of spiritism. All such entertainment should be avoided. Sacrilege is an act of irreligion, and it's always a mortal sin. Sacrilege is the mistreatment of sacred persons, places, and things. A very common example today of sacrilege is to receive Holy Communion in a state of mortal sin, because this is a grave abuse of the Holy Eucharist. Atheism is the denial of God's existence, which is called actual atheism. Practical atheism, though, is living a lifestyle that completely ignores God and his laws. Practical atheism is a much more subtle form of atheism because many Catholics today have bought into the modern cultural lies of situation ethics and fundamental option, and these lead to a form of practical atheism. Situation ethics contends that moral decisions shouldn't be based on universal moral laws, but on the specific particular situation in which a person finds himself. Since the situation is unique and unrepeatable, the person's conscience alone is to determine the right moral decision apart from any principle or law. The fundamental error of situation ethics is that it's incompatible with the fact that God gave us an objective moral norm to judge what is right and what is wrong, the Ten Commandments. The church has always taught that there are some acts which are intrinsically good and some which are intrinsically evil, apart from any circumstances. An example of this would be for a married couple to use artificial contraception because as newlyweds, they're not yet financially capable of caring for children. Artificial contraception is always evil, apart from any circumstances. Fundamental option is the theory of those who hold that a person commits mortal sin only when he has the intention of rejecting God. An example of this would be when a couple engages in premarital sex, believing themselves to be expressing love rather than rejecting God. However, the church teaches that when a person knowingly and willingly does anything which is seriously against God's law, a mortal sin is always committed, no matter the sinner's intention. Although we should promote genuine ecumenism at every opportunity, that doesn't include participation in certain acts of non-Catholic worship. 
Such activity implies that a Catholic believes other religions that lack the fullness of truth are on an equal par with Catholicism. For example, Catholics may never participate in a non-Catholic communion service because Christ is only present in the Holy Eucharist on Catholic altars. Normally, Catholics can attend the wedding of a Catholic who's being married outside the church because this implies that the sacrament of matrimony, which is a form of worship because it's a sacrament, isn't necessary to be married. When in doubt, consult your confessor, during confession if possible. Next week, we'll take a look at the rest of the First Commandment's implications. These include honoring the Blessed Virgin Mary and saints and the use of images. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a holy orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, the Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic is barely two years into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 77 countries, all 50 states, and 177 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women, ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2020 was 14% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each episode's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today on the Sponsor Kit page on our website, cantankerouscatholic.com, or email Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Dominic Savio. He said, I am not capable of doing big things, but I want to do everything, even the smallest things, for the greater glory of God. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. St. Lucy was reported to be a Christian and was led to the governor of the city for a trial. She couldn't be made to give up her faith. The governor, admiring her bravery under torment, scornfully said to her, Is the Holy Spirit in you? She calmly replied, They whose hearts are pure are the temples of the Holy Spirit. The governor spoke angrily, But I'll cause you to fall into sin, and the Holy Spirit will leave you. She answered, And I, remaining faithful to God, won't consent to sin, so that the Holy Spirit will double my reward. Then the tyrant had her dragged to a place of sexual immorality. 
But since no power on earth could move the pure virgin to commit sin, she was brought back again to the governor. Lucy said to him, You see now that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he protects me. Nothing evil can happen to me unless he permits it. The governor ordered a fire built around her. It burned fiercely after oil had been poured on it, but Lucy remained unharmed. Finally, a sword was plunged into her heart. A priest came to her with communion. Then she went to be with Jesus. As long as you're in a state of grace, the Holy Spirit lives in your soul as his temple. There he gives you all the graces you need to avoid sin and practice virtue, just as he strengthened Lucy to avoid temptation. Remember the Holy Spirit in your soul and pray to him for help when you're tempted by the evil spirit. Never put him out of your soul by committing This has been the Cantankerous sin. Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.